0: Welcome, welcome to this inaugural episode of our new podcast, The Axe Effect, where you can join me, Tim, and me, Alex, trying to cope with living 600 kilometers apart by having weekly discussions about a range of topics near and dear to our hearts. Just Just like we like to
1: talk about Corey Taylor and all his very interesting opinions. How how is that? How is that the first thing to come up on this podcast? I don't know. He's just such an interesting guy. (laughs) He's such a renaissance man.
0: (laughs) I gotta be honest. I haven't thought about Corey Taylor for like ten years before (laughs) you brought him. Just brought him up. So I guess we got different definitions of interesting, but I think. That is kind of the core of, but it's also not really true. We have very much the same definition of what is interesting, I guess. <laughs> and that's kind of the point why we were interested in doing this podcast together, I guess. Right? That sounds about right. That sounds about right. So,
1: in summary, this podcast is probably about everything that you and I care about, with a with a with a subject range somewhere between memes, music. And, and and video games how, again.
0: How is memes the the first topic that comes to you? Because back? Corey Taylor is a meme, and
1: he was on my mind this morning when I was looking outside my bathroom window, and I was like, "There's a beautiful sun, the sky is blue. I wonder what Senpai Corey Taylor is thinking just now. Is he seeing the same sky as I am?" <laughs>
0: All right, I I guess. So let's make a mental note of that one. Corey Taylor is uh, the topic of one of our episodes. Yes. Has to be now. He has to. He has to. (laughs) I have
1: forced my way (laughs) into the subject list of our podcast.
0: I guess. Just like that. That's how it goes. So let's give the people a quick um, summary of how we met, I guess, and how we we've gotten to know each other yeah sure um do do you
1: want to do you want to take it from here or should should i kind of um give a rundown i think i should probably
0: Cause, cause, i guess it's the same from both of our perspectives but yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> like not, not <laughs> just not, not to, just to toot do. my own horn here but like i feel like it's still down due to due to the fact that i i the the great human being that i am decided to take my Inherently selfish desire to make music to Facebook, that being the, really, that, that being the uh, reason why we met.
0: <laughs> I actually I didn't remember that I um I tried to remember who made that um Facebook post. That was me. I knew that, that it was that was me. me. That was me. I wasn't sure if it was somebody else, but okay, it was you. That's that's even better. So so yeah, you made that that Facebook post on a um. The, uh, the first semester group.
1: group of the first semester group of when we started going to uni together, essentially.
0: So uh, that's I think that's the the place where we need to start. Yeah, that we went to university together, and not really together, but at the same time we went and we didn't really have any common. We didn't take any uh, common classes or subjects. No, no. no. have, have, have um, we ever t- uh, taken a class together? I don't think so, right?
1: But, I mean, except for the first semester, which was like standardized for everybody in the entire university. But we have we have <laughs> never had had the exact same courses.
0: But um, I actually I actually did remember uh, noticing you in the the big ass assembly hall where oh, we shit. all uh, started on in on these uh, math courses that were yeah. for everybody. I remember seeing you before you made that Facebook post. And when we then met up a couple of weeks later after we we found we and the the couple other guys that that joined the band and um, I remembered you from that moment in the in the assembly hall. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I remember I remember So I guess I I remember it was love at first sight, right? Yeah.
1: It was, it was destined to happen. I remember back then, I was kind of, I was a visually pretty obnoxious person. I was, I had a mohawk. I remember that. Yeah, exactly. I I had a mohawk and I was about a head taller than everybody, at least a head taller. I mean, you you
0: still are. I still not really changed. I still
1: am. I still am. But, um, (laughs) yeah. So to, in summary, I, uh, when I started university, um, simultaneously, when Tim started university, I made a post in the first semester group, um, in from our university on Facebook where I was inquiring about other people wanting to make music with me. Um, and I got a, f- got a bunch of responses from people, actually way too many to answer. And I just picked like the first five responses and I think like Tim was the first one to actually reach out and respond to it. So a few weeks later, me and Tim and a bunch of other people met in my, then still renovating like where the renovation was still in
0: process flat, essentially. Um Yeah, I think it's it was very empty. Yeah, it was completely, <laughs> it was it was completely empty. empty. That was it. a
1: couch and that was it. And um so we met there and we started to bend and we've kind of been, yeah, like that that was the starting point of our friendship, I guess.
0: It it definitely was. Mm. Um so again, this is the third the first and the, m- the main uh, theme of our friendship I guess is music or, or metal music in in particular yes but not not exclusively I guess um, but that's also why we you chose those five people because we were interested in making the same music that that you were interested in I mean yeah that's, that, that's fair that that's fair to say that's point. fair to say and I think we have to mention this that when we said we went to uni together, that was um, in late 2013 back then. Mm -hmm. So like seven years ago now. And by now we do, we did both finish um, uni at at some point, I guess. (laughs) Barely, (laughs) barely finished. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, And I moved back home, uh, which is like uh, 600 kilometers from where we went to uni together, Mm -hmm. which was not so far like 50 kilom kilometers from where you are from so yes. it was more of a local affair to you than it was to me so yeah now i'm back home two, for <laughs> 2 years now um and we are we, i guess you are actually the only per, um, person from that time that i actively try to keep up with
1: yeah um, same same for you especially from this like periphery of our like from the musical context essentially. Yeah. Um, you are most definitely the only one. So Tim and I managed to stay in contact over the various escapades we had over the years, including me being in a in a in a foreign country for two years. Um and yeah, somehow somehow we've we've managed to, I think without much effort actually to keep this keep this friendship very alive and kicking.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's that's really true that's um it really comes easy because we do share a a lot of interests and um i think that's but also very uh important to to note right now that we said we were in a band together i guess we were in two bands together Um, which were essentially the same band (laughs) yeah exactly kind of <laughs> um but we br- played a grand total of two live shows um yes. because after each of those live shows um the band kind of broke up for uh, the first time it was i w- I don't want to say it was your fault but it was No, due it was due to, to my moving away yes e- exactly absolutely. and uh, the second after the second um live show which was let's say uh, 3 years later i think I think it was three uh, three years later. It was because of me moving back home. So yeah, that's so we're we're not talking about uh, a band being out on the road or something. We're talk, talking about very much um, like as local <laughs> as it gets. Local as in only your friends know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but but still ambitious enough to to put together um, like five. Mm, five original good songs. songs and and five and, good and, um, songs, yeah. and you know finding a stage to play them so i think it wasn't it was really more than just meeting uh, in the basement every three weeks and and having a beer i think we had some ambitions but we never were able to take it as far as we maybe would have wanted to Precisely. So that, I think that gives you a kind of an idea of the, the level of, of expertise and we have when it comes to music, I think, I think we didn't mention which instrument we were playing. So you, you do play the drums and I, um, I play guitar. So that's just as a note in the back of your minds, maybe if, when we start to talk about music, our perspectives, I think, uh, one is a musician, one is a drummer. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for saying that I, I wasn't <laughs> sure if I wanted what to bring it up or not I'm not a musician um, I will freely admit that I am not a musician No, that's. I think that's, that's kind of a meme but it's also not really true I think that you without being able to read notes or anything you do still have a lot a much higher understanding of, of just music than just somebody that has never played any instrument, right? I appreciate that. I think that. that's, that I'll you cannot that. deny that. I, I, yeah,
1: I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll it's, admit fun to that. To
0: make, it's fun to make fun of drummers for, quote unquote, not being musicians, but that you really are. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going <a> to shut up. <laughs> no, it, it's... It's funny but it's also not really true.
1: Fair. Fair,
0: fair, fair. So, um and the other thing that we really bonded on is you know, our interest in video games. I mean, that's kind of basic for people in our age, but we kind of like the same sorts of game, I guess. And I think that is a nice transition to today's topic which kind of combines both of these themes or both of these um, interests. Hmm. And that is um, an album, or it's not an album, I guess. It's an EP that came out a couple of weeks ago. Now at the time of us recording it, and maybe a couple of months ago uh, at the time that you're listening to this, because trust me, we are going to polish the shit out of this turd before <laughs> we're releasing it. Yes, Daddy. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's um, <laughs> Bring Me the Horizons EP, Post Human Survival Horror, um, which you recommended to me, and it wasn't the first time that you re- recommended an album by Bring Me the Horizon to me. Yes, because I, th- you're you, it's you're kind of a fan of the band, I guess. Yeah,
1: I I think that's that's a, a side note worth diving into for a minute here. Um yeah. While do, while you and I share like a huge appreciation for the same type of music, our specific taste when it comes to bands of the genres oftentimes divert greatly. So you listen to a lot of stuff that you find really interesting that is, you know, from a, from a, that's where we get into the being a musician and not being a musician thing again. Um, like from a musical perspective, quote unquote, um, really interesting. So you look for certain intricacies and certain qualities that I might find, um, not as, you know, intriguing or as immediately striking, if you will. So I remember very vividly when, when we hung out for the first few times, um, I was listening to a on a metric fuckton of, uh, Lamb of God and Bring Me the Horizon and you, just described that to me. You just described Lamb of God to me once as having that trash can sound. <laughs> um, <laughs> and That, you, that you, sounds
0: you, like something I might have said. I, um, I know, I remember that I don't, very vividly. I, I, And I don't really think that it's um, accurate to say that uh, due to me being a quote-unquote musician and you not, um, that that's... A necessary? No, no, that doesn't necessarily. I don't don't think that it's true that I listen to music that is, I guess, more intricate or more a display of musicianship because I don't think that's true because you listen to much more of this um, instrumental Brock metal. Fair animals as leaders and pliny or whatever. Um, than I do. Fair. I mean, I do enjoy that at times, but I never gotten into that in uh, to the level that you have. Fair. I I don't think that that's really the the difference. And I I'm really really interested in maybe exploring the difference that that, that we might actually have and mm-hmm. and the origin of that. But I I couldn't put my finger on it right now. At least from a from a from
1: a retrospect kind of view, back in the day I was very much into um, straightforward groove metal and metalcore and these types of things such as Bring Me the Horizon and I remember um, playing the then most recent record which was Sempaternal to you and you just shaking your head and just being like nah I saw them live once mm, and they were garbage and um that kind of that that was kind of that for you at that point I think. Are
0: you sure that that that, that was my reaction? Back Fairly then? Because sure. I, I'm pretty sure I, I thought about this prior to you know this this um knowing that this topic is going to come up and I yeah. I think that I saw them after you you recommended me the album, hmm. because I only went there on, it, it was, it could um, be, it, it could be, during you, you a could festival be right. Yeah. And I only went there because you recommended me uh, the, the album and I listened to it and I, I could be getting things
1: up, uh, mixed up with Immure. That might be the case because you also made similar remarks about Immure being the ugliest music you've ever heard. Uh, um, yeah
0: I did, I did probably say that because I saw them live at, uh, as a um supporting act yeah. and it was just the, it, it was literally the loudest gig <laughs> i ever been to it was so loud that it it was dangerous like literally people, every every person in the crowd that, the crowd that wasn't crazy left and there was a huge assembly of people in the um the smoking area which was outside just so that you can get away from the 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 terrible, dangerous levels of of, of noise, and it was still way too loud outside of the venue. Yeah, it's it was crazy. So I think that was maybe what you were thinking about. I went to the um, Bring Me the Horizon um, gig after you recommended me the album, and I mm-hmm. listened to it, and I did not hate it. That's what I went there because I remember fair.
1: That could be uh, yeah.
0: when you remember when you recommended me the album. Uh, I really hadn't listened to Bring Me the Horizon in a while because I, I mean that's kind of the a band that was is always like was always adjacent to to bands that I liked. Kind of, there's always these bands that you are supposed to like just because they're. Yeah around bands that you do enjoy but you never really can get into them and it, bring me the horizon definitely was that for me like um to what what was the album called um suicide season is that one of their earlier um, albums?
1: that's that's the i think that's like their second second record um yeah i
0: i remember that being something an album that was recommended to me by youtube and whatever yeah. services you used back then to listen to music. You're coming across that a couple times and never really liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we again you you we listened to it together. I really enjoyed the album "Semper Eternal" much more than I have ever enjoyed anything before then. But then I went to the gig and absolutely hated it. And you were right about that. Yeah, I, maybe I wanted to explain that why uh, why that was. It was because. I mean, it's a festival gig in the middle of the summer. They might've been on the road for months at that point. So um, I have, I completely understand somebody's voice not being there at that point. You know, that, that happens if you're out there for every night for a couple of months, I get that. But I think it was a horrific vocal performance again, that's not the issue. The issue was that I really really got that terrible feeling that it was that he didn't uh, he didn't want to be there. He being and, the singer Oliver Sykes. Uh, he being the, the singer uh, of course. And that kind of you know reinforced a, a feeling that I had about the band from you know just coming across them a couple times and coming across their albums and also coming across you know, people that listen to them will kind of give you that sceney, you know, that, that kind of sceney vibe.
1: Mm-hmm. Like they, they had this reputation of being more about the looks rather than the music, exactly. Which I think, I personally think, is kind of, kind of an unfair thing if you look at their sound. But I, at the same time, I it fully understand. I fully understand the sentiment, and I fully understand the experience that you had with them. An interesting side note to your observation about the singer's performance. Back when you saw them, he was still severe, like a severe drug addict, which impacted which impacted his performances for like I don't know, like five to ten years or something. And he also frequently blew out his voice because um, yeah, because of, because of because of the addiction. And when you were saying he acted like he didn't want to be there, he probably didn't want to be there because I don't think he wanted to be anywhere near anything at that point in his life. If I if that I had to speculate have if I, if I like put myself into his shoes, um same goes probably for the band. That cannot have been a fun experience. So I fully understand why you think
0: that. And and at that point you you don't really like the band and you come across an album that you might want to get into but then you see them live and really don't enjoy it. At that point for me it's like uh it's maybe it's really not for me. Yeah. So I I have I haven't come across them then for a while for a couple of years until I think we covered one of their songs of that's the spirit for a, with our second band and just just to get into the groove of things you know getting to know each other having something to play yeah I we, we played avalanche Dr- which is still one of my favorite I songs they ever we did. played drown but I'm not sure we did both actually we did we tried both maybe and I think I enjoyed those songs. They were, I mean, they're fun songs to play, but it's nothing that really managed to get me back into the, the you know, yeah. into the band. So after that, I haven't, and after that, I haven't heard of them at all, like for the last four years or something mm-hmm. until you recommended me that. So that's kind of setting the table for where we were. And you told me, listen to it. It's great. Especially the first song. And I mean, if I'm you send I'm pretty proud me things, of myself for that, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm pretty satisfied <laughs> with myself. No, I mean, if, if you send me things, uh, I generally take the time to listen to them. Um, and if you tell me, listen to the EP, the first song is the best one, then, I mean, that's the the least amount of effort, I guess, if the first song is what, what's interesting. So <laughs> I just put it on in the... Uh, So I just put it on in the car and I really, really enjoyed the first song right away. I really did. And then I just kept listening to it. And I enjoyed almost every other song on that album as well. And to my surprise, as you might guess. Um, And I think, let's just maybe get into the first song. Why this is... the why would you enjoy it that much right yeah let's let
1: let's start with that but maybe give 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 a 30 set like 30 seconds more worth of context um with the video game connection that this ep has so basically this ep contains a song um called Ludens which was the soundtrack to a game released i believe this year death stranding a hideo kojima it was video late, game was late last year late last year okay um so within yeah. within the last last calendar year or so then um so a hugely anticipated AAA production from Japan um, by a very famous video game video game producer slash designer, um, creative head behind games such as Metal Gear Solid, um, and Bring Me the Horizon essentially delivered, you know, the soundtrack for that game, which is also to be found on this
0: EP. It's a song called Ludens. Um, now, oh, it's that's something I didn't really, I wasn't able to... Um, I didn't really understand, uh, look, trying to look it up. What is, exactly was it? Was it the trailer music or the, was it the, the credit music? Um, it's Kojima. What, what <laughs> you're
1: supposed to be confused.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, no. What,
1: is, uh, what was the song used for? Like, I think, I think as a release trailer, as far as I know. So it was the background music for a trailer. Mm, I believe. But it, like, okay. it, it featured game footage and it was released simultaneously yeah. with the game or at least to a certain degree with the game, I think. And um, that is that is that is the first kind of intersection, the kind of like cross-media intersection and that, that we have here.
0: And a year ago. Yeah, that was about a year, a year ago. A year before this EP comes out. Exactly. Came out. So the first song, again, uh, is i' i think it it is the best song out uh, on that uh e p and it's because it is relentless it is i think that is the word that best describe describes that song and i yeah, it feels like an assault I, it just feels like a straight up assault yeah. <laughs> and that's just something that I haven't really heard out of them for i don't know forever that this that really um uh Contrasted maybe my expectations of what bring me the horizon might sound like in 2020 um, after not really keeping keeping up with them for years because I knew that they were playing with these elect, uh, electronic influences more and more with with each with each new album. Um, I always found that they they had had some kind of poppy mainstream uh, angle to them. And yeah, their songwriting uh, got really, we-
1: really, really um, catchy. They also like yeah. made made fun and made fun of themselves as like true northern pop metal.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean uh, it, that's generally just uh, uh, when bands like that get older, they tend to get away from just uh, just relentless. Uh, just, just repeating the,
1: the the same thing over and over again
0: yeah like, they, they tend it's kind of stupid to say but as as bands get older they oftentimes get a little softer, a little quieter less extreme I think is is what it comes down to and this might be um, was the most extreme I've heard them be in in years, which immediately caught me off guard and um I too I knew positively obviously.
1: I mean, that's a sentiment that probably most Bring Me the Horizon fans share. Um, what you described as like getting softer, I would contrast that just from my perspective as just becoming better songwriters in a large, like in a, in a, in a, in a grand That was scale. a
0: very general statement. Yeah, yeah not, obviously. Not obviously. about them. I mean, bands I in general. I, I get it. I get it. Um,
1: there's bands that just repeat their first record over and over and over and always follow the same patterns. They are certainly not that band. Um, also, obviously they had some lineup changes and with those lineup changes came different musical influences and, and these types of things. But in general, yes, I agree with you. The ferocity that they deliver, especially also in the first song is just not something that we've heard from them for the past three records. They are, there's, there's a significantly higher amount of screams and shouts and just, just more violent sound to it, which still is really polished and raw at the
0: same time it's just yeah, really good absolutely it's just absolutely really, really good it is it is still a very polished album now that's i don't think that that is um that should be lost but um but still they managed to be very violent even uh even um with that polished sound, right? Yes. And it, I think they managed to make this, this whole EP just sound massive, like massive. I think if you really have that, <clears throat> this the, this violence, uh, that anger and just that loudness, but still may still ha- are able to polish it in that way, that will just make you sound polished. Uh, um, <laughs> massive. That's the word. Um, and I think that's "Dear Diary." That's the, the name of the first song. Um, that it's mostly guitar-based, right? I mean, it's a—it's essentially kind of a thrash metal song, I guess. It feels—it feels, it feels
1: the, like the, a Slayer song for the first one and a half minutes. The blast beat—it's just driving the whole thing forward. It's really thrashy, really fast.
0: Um, yeah, exactly. I, I, that, that was my first sentiment is, as well. The the main riff is kind of um, thrash metal, like, mm-hmm. um, and there's not really a lot of electronic uh, elements to it, right? Except for the intro. Um, except for the intro, right? Let's just let's just listen to it, right? Yeah, here. Yeah, let's give it a just go from the very the, the very beginning of this EP. Again, like you said, it's these electronic influences at the beginning. Just so juicy.
1: This is just so good.
0: I think it's just very well crafted. It is um, a nice soundscape of these um, uh, synth sounds that, that started off, but then you keep getting more and more of those guitar hits it just blends in um,
1: in a super homogeneous way it all it sounds exactly. it's like like it's all coming from the same angle almost like from the same source like it's just alterations yeah. of the same thing but at the same time everything is so distinct about it yeah about it that it just triggers completely different, like, at least for me, it triggers like completely different nerves and completely different feelings. It's, yeah, it's just really, really well done.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that, um, I think this, the, those 24 seconds kind of already lay out and and show why I enjoyed it that much. And I think maybe this is the time to, um, mention that I, and that's a big difference between our tastes, I guess. That I never really gotten into the um, these electronic um, synth influences in in metal music. Yeah. Uh, for example, bring me the horizon. Um, Architects is those. another good example. Yeah, maybe. And I never really sat right with me. And I, I kind of just assumed that I just just didn't like it. I just didn't like. Like an old man, I don't like synth elements in my metal music. Get the fuck off my lawn. Keep
1: your synths that- <laughs>
0: out of my video games. Oh, my metal exactly. music. Ah. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought <laughs> that that was it. But just listening to that album made me realize that that wasn't it because I very much enjoyed all of those electronic influences on that album. And I think that's kind of the the theme of this discussion maybe or also the preparation for this episode, trying yes. to figure out why that is. Why do I? Why did I enjoy it here where I didn't really enjoy it um, in just about anything else I've, I've heard before? Yep. And I think you brought up a, a very great point, almost exactly worded as I would have worded it. It just blends so well. It fits together perfectly. It really sounds... Like it's, you know, cut from the same cloth in, in, to put it in a metaphor, maybe, um, because that's kind of the problem that I oftentimes had that these synth sounds just v- were clearly from a different sonic realm. That's kind of a very, <laughs> makes you sound a lot I, you smarter
1: know, than me. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's what, not what I'm trying to do here. But I'm, I I try to... Uh, how moderate, dare you? Um, <laughs> how fucking dare you try to sound smart on this How podcast. can
1: she slap? <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, um, I think here, as you, as you put it, it's just these sounds from like guitar-based and synthesizer-based, these are basically the two... Um, you know elements we're dealing with in general in, in without with that kind of music before I never really gotten the the feeling that um, they belong together. Mm. We really kind of, to me it always sounded like two uh, distinct elements that were trying to be or that were forced together, right, or mm-hmm. just slapped on top of each other. You had that you had a metal riff and then you had some kind of weird synth lead on top of that and it just never really it doesn't didn't sound like one to me and this Mm -hmm. definitely sounds like one to me they they really those two sounds or or, um, origins of sound do sound like they are from the same (laughs) it sounds
1: natural it's it just it just sounds natural to me um for me the thing that That kind of, I guess, visualizes what, what, what you're saying the most is if I picture, if I picture hearing that song live and both of these elements do not sound weird to me. Like, um, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like there's, there's just a random like synth track playing over a metal record. It sounds like something that I would listen to from this band in a live setting and I would just feel like I can expect that. It feels homogenous, it feels like it belongs there, like you put it. It doesn't feel slapped on top of each other or like yeah. it's kind of like fighting for the upper hand in the mix. It, that's it's a just, good way to put it. Yeah. It's it, it's it's just it, it it's just homogenous. It it it's it, distinct, it blends into it's each distinct, other. It's, it enables it's each st- other rather than, you know, like like like
0: trying trying to have the main ground if you will. And it's still distinct. It's still this is the guitar this is a synthesizer. Absolutely. But absolutely. Clearly elements from the same song. They're the same musical they idea. Are, um, maybe the, the maybe the point is they are trying to convey the same feeling. Um, you know, because they're both very loud, very distorted, mm-hmm. kind of um, you know, very aggressive. That's just what it is. And it just fits together real nicely. And then let's just keep listening for a yeah. couple of seconds, coming to the main riff. As we said before, this is just straight up, thrash metal very well done i th- i really like his vocal delivery astonishing vocal um, performance i was about to say it's, that it's really really it's, awesome i mean he goes with these uh, straight quarter notes just uh every syllable it's like a kind of like a machine gun in that way yeah um very varied you know between shouting screaming kind of talking speaking almost yeah Talking a couple of syllables, then going into screaming again. Even if it's um, just for like
1: a syllable or something, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's it's really um, working with a couple of different uh, different effects, which gives it that really disjointed, hectic kind of um, vibe, which fits the uh, the the uh, atmosphere perfectly, fits the riff perfectly, um, makes the whole
1: thing rhythmically also a lot more interesting um just because of how the vocal performance kind of at some point like syncopates the rather straightforward beat in the background, so yeah. a lot of the more rhythmically interesting bits come from the vocal performance rather than the actual rhythm section, which is also noteworthy, I think,
0: yeah, and I think that um again with with the Paul uh, with the kind of polish back to that uh, point um it is a thrash metal um instrumental in that sense the, the verse but the um kind of that varied approach to the the vocals just throwing different um sounds at you just and you can only do that if you really just on top of your game production if you know wise, your shit right yeah you have to know your shit to do that um and they do. They really do. It doesn't sound out of place. It doesn't sound like somebody's just playing around with effects. It's just pulled off very, very well. And it just captures the feeling that the hectic, um, kind of, um, what's the word? Yeah, eclectic, aggressive, uh, kind of a little... Um, This might be a common theme on this podcast, us looking for words. Yes. (laughs) English is not our our, our
1: native language, as you can probably tell by our accent. We are both German. We are both very German.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Claustrophobic. That's the word I was looking for. Um, Yeah, it sounds really claustrophobic. And I mean, that's maybe, uh, so I think this is a point that's, also important to mention that this album was uh, written, produced, and released during quarantine. You know, during 2020's uh, Corona stay-at-home order. order. Um, And it's pretty much what this album deals with. With the themes of isolation, of uh, uncertainty, of just, I guess, the feeling useless. Just Going crazy because you're home alone and just the claustrophobia, with, with the claustrophobia of being home alone. All of these are the issues that this uh, album, uh, this EP, deals with in in large parts. And I think this is just um, this is also the atmosphere and the mood that they were trying to convey. And I think they did a really good job of doing that. And I agree. I think they really, um, they really, really, really put an emph- emph- emphasis on doing that with the music as much as, uh, as they do with the lyrics, because it's kind of easy to write songs about, you know, write lyrics about an issue, but it's, kind of a little bit harder, I guess, Uh, but much, so much more potent, in my opinion, to put that on a backdrop of an instrumental uh, that fits that that atmosphere. And I think this is what they were going for. And uh, we're just taking away that now after the first song. But it keeps up uh, also during the, the the rest of the EP. They do that very well. And I think this is maybe the part where we need to get to Mick Gordon, who, as some people might recognize the name from um, the Doom soundtrack, Mick Gordon is the man behind the, the soundtrack of the video game Doom 2016 and its sequel... Doom Eternal, um, which kind of, I think the the, the um, soundtrack of that game, the minute it came out, uh, was loved by a lot of people back then. It was a really a big talking point of how good the game was. And I think just a... <laughs> um, for many people, one of the reasons why they enjoyed the game as much as as they did, and Mick Gordon made that happen. And do you want to do you want to
1: illustrate Doom a bit more for um for those who might be unfamiliar with it? Just kind of the general themes and and topics that it deals with, like what can people who have might have not had the opportunity to play it, if they had to picture it. That's a good it, point. Um, so to Doom, picture it,
0: the the franchise, Doom as the name says, deals with topics of, you know, doom, violence, mostly demons, hell. Um, It's, they're not really story focused, but it's basically every, uh, it's basically the story of mankind kind of uh, creating different portals to hell
1: on Mars.
0: And fighting against the demons that make it through those portals i think that's just the general <laughs> in a <laughs> general p- summary yeah. of of all those uh um plots if you can call them that it's very superficial i guess the, the lore of that franchise but it's a very violent feel it's a very you know, desolate just aggressive bloody gory very fast paced fast fast paced satanistic it deals with a lot of satanistic elements and i think the, the root of that is the original being released in 1993 and it's basically the the first real first person shooter Precisely. and it's basically the influence for most of the first person shooters that we play nowadays
1: it laid the foundation for everything not, that followed it's,
0: essentially it's not the first one that was ever released, but it's certainly the one that kicked the whole genre up. Uh, off. It's, in many people's eyes, still the greatest first-person shooter that has ever been released. Um, uh, and again, to, uh, Doom 2016 was, you know, the re... How uh, do Reboot. So a modern-day
1: version of this game with overhauled mechanics yeah. um a good a, a new soundtrack as you just described um so yeah that's that's the
0: scene of the game essentially uh yeah because um the original game was from 1993 then there was a sequel to that um that was looked very much the same like one or two years later yep. then they then doom 3 was like from 2004 and it was like a, I guess PS2 era, 3D game. It looked very, like very much like every other shooter back then. It wasn't really received that well. And after that, after two, 2004, that there were no new Doom games. And so they, 12 years later now, they really try to, as you said, reboot that franchise in a modern way. And that generally, uh, oftentimes, doesn't really work out, right? You you take a uh, a historic franchise that laid, uh, you know, quiet for a couple of years, and try to bring them to the modern era. Uh, doesn't doesn't really always work out that well. It's oftentimes it's just um, just the themes and you know the references and maybe. Just the plot of those classic games just put into a skin of the, you know, gameplay flavor of the year. But that's not what happened here. I think Doom 2016 is a is a great game on every aspect. Gameplay-wise, they really nailed it. N- neither putting it too close to what it was back then, but also not making it like every other first-person shooter out now and the soundtrack again just fits the whole the whole atmosphere the whole vibe the game is going for perfectly and maybe we need to explain that a little bit it's um basically (laughs) basically based on two elements and it's the same elements that we were talking about with this album It's synthesizers and guitars and it's a very i mean at its core is a it's a metal yeah it's kind of a metal soundtrack at its very core but with a lot a lot a lot of synthesizer influences and it's really loud really really fast really violent um It basically, it basically managed,
1: manages to encapsulate all the themes of the game from a sound perspective. So these really very heavy, low guitars, the really aggressive cutting synthesizers kind of lay the, like they, they almost provide, they all, almost provide more of a representation to the game than they are just a soundtrack. So, um, they, yeah. they blend these same elements that we were, we were praising, um, on the Bring Me the Horizon record. So the producer of Sat Soundtrack for its studios, which is the studio or it games, which is the studio that, um, released Doom 2016 and also the newer iteration. Um, Mick Gordon, that is the initial point that we were trying to make here. Um, he yeah. was a part of Bring Me the Horizon's latest record. And boy, oh boy, yeah. is it showing
0: yeah and that's kind of the, the moment that i had like i listened to the ep really enjoyed it and again having that thought in the back of my mind like i actually do not like electronic influences in my metal music how come i do like it here <laughs> and then i i read up on it a little bit um and i read that mick Gordon was involved and then like uh, light went off in my head like oh that has to be why um so as you said, he they, he really brought a lot of the um the sounds um and the production of that doom soundtrack to that um to that EP and it really blends in very nicely um where um the Doom soundtrack, the guitar parts were kind of gente in nature, like really low, really simple, nine string guitar chugging um, exactly bringing the horizon is more of a how would you describe their the metal sound on that album I think it's a varied approach we talked about the thrash metal on the diary I think um, there's a little more metal core vibes on other on also new metal uh, influences on other songs some J metal they bring a little um different metal influences but the um synth influences are very very similar yeah. and they s- make that work in uh in a similar way that the doom soundtrack also made that work and that ha- is the uh to the credit of of Mick Gordon and maybe we need to um to talk about what he was actually doing with the Doom soundtrack back then. Um, because interestingly, <laughs> so um, the initial pitch to him or the initial um, wishes of the, sh- of the studio were no guitars on that soundtrack. That, I find that really interesting looking back at it. That was his initial, you know, um, task to make that soundtrack but no guitars because the um, developers f- thought that i don't know having a violent first person shooter w- having a metal back uh, like metal guitars in the background that's just it's old it's corny cheesy boring been done before has been heard before yeah exactly and i i mean i tend to agree with that you can see a world where they put a very basic metal soundtrack in the background, just metal guitars blasting. uh, And it's just nothing special. I can't absolutely see a a world in which that happened. And they said to him, no guitars, only synthesizers. Um, And he sat sat down, sat in his uh, studio and tried to find... Ways to make that work, um, and I think he what he did was just really internalizing what Doom is about. As we talked about, it's about hell. It's about Mars. It's about demons. It's about blood. It's about gore. It's about a really you know hopeless world. You know you're just you the only person alive. You you're alone on. Uh, on the planet Mars, being overrun by demons, you're alone in hell. Later everything on, everything is very desolate and, you're just and very killing, grim. You just your your only task is to kill everything around you. That's basically what it is. And um, he tried to internalize that and try to and and thought about how can you re- represent those themes sonically, right? Um and what he basically came well, his first thought was okay we're just taking subs uh, like synth basses and putting distortion on them it's a very basic idea but it's also a very fitting idea but that the studio came back to him was like that's that's take it a lot further than that that's kind of a basic idea so then he went back and was like, okay, they liked the general idea, but they didn't think I, I, I took it far enough. And boy, did he take it far after that because um, he basically designed a whole system where he put a bunch of different effects and all kinds of ways to just destroy an, an audio signal in different configurations and just blasted his uh, synthesizer through that system and, um, you know, turned the knobs here and then and and uh, just switched between the, the different uh, chains and just found a way to absolutely destroy the initial um, base input or the, the sub-input and... This was basically his doom instrument, as he called it. Just an array of so many different guitar effects, distortions, phasers, uh, bit crushes, whatever, different guitar cabinets. Um, he also, what he, for example, did was putting the signal through a very cheap and small amplifier and just turning it up until. The amplifier couldn't handle it anymore and just cracked and rumbled and absolutely destroyed the signal. And uh, he had all of those different ways to manipulate and and um, distort these signals. And that was basically the groundwork of the whole soundtrack. Soundtrack is this, yeah, manipulation or you know, annihilation of a synth base, so to speak.
1: What I really enjoyed about, because because you and I have both looked into the same resources when we researched McGordon, Gordon, I suppose. Um What I really enjoyed were the questions that he asked himself when it came to the design of his soundtrack. Um, As you mentioned in Doom, a large chunk of the gameplay takes place in what is essentially a representation of hell. So there's this like, weird dynamic between hell and aliens and the demons are kind of aliens, but they're also demons. And like, everything is a bit, everything is a bit, you know, moved away from what essentially would like be Christian mythology for a demon or something. It's a lot more sci-fi. It is very, the whole vibe of, of doom is very satanistic. Yes. I mean, it, it is very much, it is very much, but it's also very much, um, in a sci-fi context. And one of the questions that he asked himself, Absolutely. Um, yeah. just, just as a description, for example, um, picture, picture hell and doom's idea as this large, desolate Martian, because it takes like place in, on the planet Mars as well as this like Martian desolate wasteland with floating monoliths that have um, these energy blasts pulsing through them. So there's this right, uh, this red energy that, Trickles through this world when there's like rocks floating everywhere. And he asked himself, what would this energy sound like? And he tried to find, um, audio representations for what he was being provided visually with by the game. And I think that is such a beautiful way of digging into your task, essentially, uh, like so, such Absolutely. a fundamentally good question to ask yourself. What does that sound like? What I'm seeing and finding. A representation that not only um, conveys the idea to yourself, but also transcends to everyone who's playing it. And I, absolutely. that approach. I, I just wanted to point out that I find that approach absolutely freaking fantastic.
0: It. I mean, that is that is really he looked at the task and he reformed his comp his to- complete workflow he started from absolute scratch he started at zero and built the instrument basically that was the foundation of that soundtrack um, and I think that's just extraordinary because also if you're a um I don't know uh, um, film music or you know video game music uh, composer you read the the task you read uh, you look at, you look at the um, uh, the initial um, concept art or something and you're like oh it's hell it's desolate it's fast aggressive and then you take your presets and then you have your orchestra and like oh yeah it's a hell it's uh, dissonant it's tritones whatever and um oh it's desolate it's slow moving uh, um, you know string sections or something um so you kind of build in themes and kind of you know ideas that have been around i mean there's a very much a musical vocabulary to express these concepts but that's not what that's not what he did he went away from that like he kept saying during this uh, talk that we both uh, i think were refer- referencing as as our resource or one of our resources yeah. uh, he kept saying doing this, you know, uh, going into your preset, doing an an uh, you know, a score, that is doing something that is inspired by the initial pitch, but it is not something that is executing the pitch, and so he com- completely went away from anything that he done he did before, and as I said, um, completely recreate uh, or just created a workflow from scratch. Just to be able to capture the uh, the atmosphere and the the, the feeling that <clears throat> the developers were were going for with with the rest of the game. So uh, if you're listening to the Doom soundtrack, you will notice that they didn't really stick to the initial pitch of no guitars because there are guitars on there, as we mentioned before. Um, so he started building around uh, the soundtrack around this Doom instrument, and it was very much the the basis, the main focus of it. Um, But then at some point they all noticed that it was lacking something. And what it was lacking was guitars. Um, Because if you look back at Doom 1993 the soundtrack was very much based on guitars or, you know, synthesizers that were made to sound like guitars. I think Slayer was uh, actually involved
1: with the original soundtrack.
0: Absolutely not. They just stole everything. (laughs) The whole sound, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, It's honestly ridiculous. The Doom soundtrack from back then, it's iconic because it has that really distinct MIDI sound. Um, Hmm. It really sounds... uh, MIDI is, the, uh, is a very, very common s- format for uh, notating music digitally. Um, and Windows has a standard MIDI uh, player, so to yeah. speak. So if you're playing, you're playing back those MIDI files, the window, there's a very distinct Windows MIDI sound. And this is exactly what uh, the Doom soundtrack sounded, <laughs> sounded like because it was initially released on on Windows back then. And even when they ported it to, um, you know, to the SNES and whatever, they kept that, that sound. Um, so it's not actual guitars, but it's that very distinct Windows MIDI guitar sound, right? Um, and the whole... You know um, the score, so to speak. It's just very, very apparent that they were what they were influenced by. There's songs that sound exactly like Slayer. There's songs that sound exactly like Nine Inch Nails. There's songs that are literally lifted from Pantera. Um, they they just straight up stole some of those riffs, um, and it's iconic. I really do think it is, but it's also sometimes very, very ridiculous because of how much they stole, but also because of the sound. It's just synthesizers that vaguely sound like different instruments, like guitars or also um, uh, strings, stringed instruments. Um, and also because. <laughs> And I, I, because I played um, the original Doom a bit recently, um, it's the songwriting is kind of it's not great at some point.
1: Long story short, long story short, it is not Slayer, it is not Pantera. They just blatantly ripped everyone off.
0: No, they, I mean they were in spirit, they were in spirit, but they were very much not involved.
1: <laughs> so 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 so. Bottom line, bottom line. Mick Gordon did very much do the opposite of what the original developers of id Software did, which also is noteworthy. That that like id Software at the time of releasing the original Doom was a makeshift video game studio that had no budget whatsoever for a pro- music producer of any kind. It was very much a DIY yeah. atmosphere, and they just managed to build something groundbreaking without.
0: Ever planning to build something I mean, that the, groundbreaking? Back then, there so, were well, like fifteen um, people in their mid twenties working to. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it was a very quite the opposite of of, of what ha- happened with Doom 2016. Absolutely. So um, again, what but the point we're trying to make here is that the original Doom was you no know, the the. Iconic nature of the original Doom soundtrack was very much because of of those metal guitar roots that they that they're working with, and so if there was a legacy exactly. to live up that's, to, that's, that's but good, at the same a, time
1: they did not want to they did they did not want to cater to the same sentiments as the original. That they wanted to create a new sort of atmosphere away from the already preconceived notions, um, which then again brings us back to make Gordon and what you described as him creating a completely new workflow from scratch in order to make something absolutely unique in both the soundtrack the soundtrack and video game landscape.
0: Yeah, but, but still, um, what I was trying to get at is um, they did eventually get around to being okay with guitars being put in there because they realized, okay, this is... There's such a legacy with that original Doom soundtrack being based on those Mm. metal guitars. Um, that it's just, and then I think it's a very narrow path to, to balance. Just as you said, catering to, uh, to what it used to be and just really putting it in there in a appropriate, contemporary way that really adds to the overall, um, sound. Uh, but they did that. They, uh, Mick Gordon was able, once he was allowed to use, um, guitars, he again went back and like, okay, I'm now allowed to use guitars, but maybe, you know,
1: use them in a different context, use them in a different context. Do not ponder. Exactly.
0: I, I do not want, I, I, I mean, he knew the, the, um, he knew the reasons why the developers were maybe uh, a little bit hesitant to put guitars in there. And he was, he was very, very of walking in those exact traps, so to speak. And so what he did is just, again, putting guitars in there, but just not put guitars in there, but, you know, uh, corrupt them before putting them in there. And he, he found a bunch of ways to do that. Um, He was, for example, uh, for one uh, for one of the levels, he was able to morph his guitar sound with the sound of a um, chainsaw, and so just and with on another level, he was he was um, recorded the guitar part and then he slowed it down and distorted it so that it was still audibly a guitar once, but also very very you know, corrupted, glitchy, kind of just uh, almost a piece of ambience rather than a piece of music. Absolutely. Just, um, just and I think these are just two examples. He found a couple of ways to keep, you know, playing with that sound just to not make it, um, let it get too boring. And, you know, as he said, um, not making it like corny or you know, played out, Um, and I think, again, that really, really came through, and I think that is also one of the reasons why it worked in the end, because the treatment that both synthesizers and guitars went through was very similar, they were, both ended up being corrupted, on, in, in in different ways and I think that ties it together very very neatly um, so that you don't just have okay these are is our regular ass guitar sound and now we have our regular synthesizer sound on top of it clearly from different sonic spaces no they're from the same spaces because the, the same, they went through the same uh, treatment. Uh. Maybe in summary, you could say he 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 managed to
1: tie to tie up the treatment of the sound and sort of the audio visual pitch that he received in the best possible way. Yeah. So he took what he had in terms of in terms of literal advice from from his employers, the developers, but he also he also looked at it from from an, from a, from a standpoint that could also be just looked at as an interpretation. Like what, what do I see here? And how does that translate to what I want to hear? Or how do I picture that, that sounding and what abilities do I have to make that sound? So maybe, yeah, final summary. He manages to blend these guitars and synthies in correspondence with the initial idea in a absolutely spectacular and fantastic yeah. way, which at this point I think should take us back to the Bring Me The Horizon record.
0: Yeah, um, because again, um, from their perspective, this is like, okay, this is quarantine. We want to w- write a uh, an album, a record that is dealing with those themes. And how can we not only write lyrics that do that, but also... Right, music that does that. And, you know, at that point, it's obvious that these kind of are related to one another, right? The the desolate uh, nature of the Doom games and maybe the desolate or more isolated nature of quarantine. And I think (laughs) it really came down to uh, bring me the horizon or uh, p- members of the band listening to the doom soundtrack and they were like damn that's the that's the sound that we might want to have to uh, on that EP to uh to underline the the mood that we're going for they they yeah. hit up Mick Gordon and he said he's a you know he he is a f- uh, fan of the band and he's would love to to do that and then he brought all that experience and all those instruments and all those sounds that he created for for Doom, for those two Doom games at that point. And, you know, f- they found ways to incorporate them. I mean, there's there's moments on that EP where, where you have exactly the sounds from the Doom games, I feel like. Yeah, they, I, I think I really, they were I, using the same patches at that point. Uh, there's there's a couple of moments where I'm like oh yeah this is definitely I definitely re- remember this exact sound from the Doom soundtrack. Um, for example, in um, in obey in the the chorus, there's this um, kind of. We'll just listen to it. There's this. There's. There are these two notes in the background that are really. Uh, it's hard to describe. It's They're defining very, it's,
1: for the ambience of of the Doom games. I know exactly what you're going for. Anyone who has played it will have, if they listen to the background of that chorus, um, find themselves standing in hell in Doom, having these yeah, this, notes tickle tickle down in the back.
0: Yeah. These. These. This kind of. Um, Siren-like um, uh, feel that they have to it. I, I, it's really hard to There's describe. There's you... in the background, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's a sound that I vividly remember from the games. I guess. Um, yeah. Again, they they really really managed to to put the two together. And on Doom, they managed to put the more Genty guitars uh, together with the uh, synth elements and on this album they were able to put bring me the horizons take on metal uh, together with those uh, elements which and also greatly
1: varies from track to track you have to admit absolutely they 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 managed to diversify their approach to this in terms of in terms of what I don't want to use the word cliches but like what what conventions they wanna they wanna wanna you know, utilize. Like you said, the first song feels a lot like a thrash metal song. There's other songs that feel more somewhere between heavy rock and metalcore. Um, uh, and teardrops all these is all... a
0: new, is basically a Linkin Park song yes. at its core.
1: Also, 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 quite a heavy dose of new metal in there, but not to the point where it feels um, more less like an homage, if you will. Teardrops. They, they they never they never overdo it is what is, is what I'm trying no. to say I guess and it's a very diverse record in terms of what it offers in terms of like snippets of genres um, and even with that diversity they managed to um, blend in the synths and the the input from Mick Gordon who which, who's not on every song I think quite tastefully but I think that is the point
0: that that is absolutely what kind of absolutely. brings it together because if no, you absolutely. just have because if you just have those nine songs and this is a thrash metal song, this is a more new metal kind of song. No, this I fully is a, agree with you. That was the, the point I was trying to make. On. Yeah, no, this, I just wanted to reiterate that, that um, those the, the Mick Gordon influence, so to speak, really manages to, to make all of the, those different uh, but very distinct influences on the, on the different tracks come together and form an EP that is just one whole. You know, this is, it's very, very um, cohesive, very, it flows very well. There's no track that is really out of place, I guess. Um, And that is, wouldn't be that the case if it wasn't for those, um, uh, you know, that very distinct influence from McGordon, because uh, at that, I think this is the time to bring up their previous Full length record, um, ammo, mm-hmm. and I haven't told you that, but I went back and listened to this one as well because I enjoyed um, Post Human that much, and I yes. also, and this is just this is just them. There's, uh, this is just uh, no, they're they're not working together with anybody. I think all of the production they are was, with, uh,
1: with with Grimes with Grimes. No, I think. I'm,
0: this is the, I'm, that's a feature, but I mean the production. Oh yeah, yeah, the production is in house. I think yeah. It's just completely in-house, so to speak. But they still managed to branch out in so many different directions. And many of them, many of them being, uh, you know, electronica, so uh, Mm. different types of electronic music. Um, And I really like that one as well, I have to say. and, and without the involvement of, of mick gordon so there's yeah, something this, happening this in your where, music uh, taste because when we went into it i was just we were i th- i thought about making a kind of a grand point at the end and trying to explain what mick gordon did to um yeah to make that album so great to me um and make these synth influences you know bearable or even a a a um appealing a positive, almost appealing so yeah. to speak, but I wasn't able to because I listened to their previous record where they were also <laughs> working with a lot of electronic instruments. Mikko wasn't involved, and I still liked it. So I kind of I think in the last couple of weeks listening to to them, I kind of have to uh, reevaluate maybe my my take on on electronic influences in metal music. Mm-hmm. That's. I think that's what it. Uh, what what, uh, came of, uh, what came out of what came out of that the whole thing for me. Um, I'm. Just, I'm still not sure what the actual difference is. I've been wondering about that a lot lately. Um, why I was so against it and why I really didn't find bands that did it in a way that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but why I seem to enjoy it now.
1: Um, I have a few ideas regarding that that I would like to just toss in there because yeah, absolutely um, because uh, as you said I am I am very fond of of all things you know synthwave essentially I listen to synthwave music as is by myself quite a lot as well so all these seventies eighties you know dated type things I really really enjoy. Um that kind of lays the foundation for me enjoying these things in, in a more heavy music context, I suppose. Um I was just thinking that within the last two decades, the only bands who, um in a very popularized context, did these types of genre-bending crossover things were the new metal guys. So everything from P.O.D. to Linkin Park to um Limp Biscuit in Parts every band that had a DJ or a synthesizer guy on on stage with them those are the household names when it comes to blending electronica with um with metal or heavy heavier music in general cuz I wouldn't wouldn't say that for example Limp Biscuit is metal Yeah, um, yeah so well, but it's not about the nitpicking here so no know,
0: absolutely not
1: choo- choose your own adventure i don't care <laughs> um the 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 bottom line is that these these types of bands or that genre new metal for example has a certain stigma to it it's very dated to a specific point in time it is very sceney as well it has a very um very standardized approach to it. There's a lot of genre conventions that are usually abided by and it just got stale. It got stale very, very fast and um, it rightfully, in my opinion, disappeared to a certain degree. Um, Now, I think what is remarkable about your discovery when it comes to, to electronic music is the same revelation that I sort of had with Bring Me the Horizon. Basically, they're just doing it from, from a new perspective. It's as simple as that. They have a, their own twist on it. They have their own musical ideas. Um, they got really good as songwriters and they just stayed creative with the medium and they managed to blend something just in a different way, maybe in a more subtle way or in a more homogenous way, um, or less invasive in your face as maybe something like a Limp Bizkit or a POD song would be. Um, They were just innovating, in my opinion. Um, And they've been innovating for the past few records. Um, And I think that is as simple as it is easy to overlook. That they just managed to have their own take on their listening influences and put it into their own music. That's at least how I feel about it. Um, That could be completely wrong, obviously. It's just my two cents on the whole thing.
0: So... I think he's just said a lot of things that I agree with, and a lot of things that I thought about as well, um, as possibilities. Um, I just to your last point, I I wouldn't say that they um, that bring you the horizon is what was the word you used? Um, innovative, innovative. Exactly. I wouldn't say. I mean, I would, obvi- uh, that's obviously true in a, in, in one way to think about it, just because there's not a lot of other bands that do it the way they did, but yeah, they're not, they're the, still the influences that they, they're pulling from are very distinct. It's in most cases, relatively easy to point your finger at them and name them. It's like, okay, this is a drum and bass influence. This is a, Brock metal influence, you know? This is a uh, synth wave influence. So they're not really inventing new no, shit. No, I'm not. I, I Absolutely, trying, I agree with you. Um, what I think they're really, really good at, and I think we need to mention here for people that have not listened to Ammo, is that it's very... They're, the, the metal influences are few and far in between, I guess. it's um, Most of the songs are more in the rock, um, direction. And, yes. um, a, a lot of them don't feature, uh, rock instrumentation at all. They're m- mostly like 90%. Um, there are songs on it that are 90% electronic instruments. Absolutely. Um, so, th- and that's, and I think it was their most mainstream, uh, attempt at, at that point. And it was maybe also the, most mainstream success they ever had with that album. They had a number one record. Yeah. They had a number one record on the billboard charts in the UK with that. So that's again, uh, perfect. That's, but that's uh, important to understand that this was very different from what they were doing on post-human because in post-human, they captured the early aggression that they were in, that they were working with in their deathcore metalcore days in their early days and managed to, put those uh, electronic influences in that the uh, their album ammo was very far removed from that in it, in that it was um as we just described right um but i what i think they were really good at was just picking and choosing the right influences and having a just a very very good ear um When it comes to what goes together and what doesn't, I think that Mm -hmm. that is what it comes down to. To for to me, they're just um, and that's what maybe those other early bands were not. I wouldn't go so far. It's just it's just it's just repetitive. Like they they follow the
1: same formula for every song, and I think that's the main difference between those records. Every song every every song sounds kind of different on Ammo, for example. They all follow different different ideas and different 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 picks and chooses, if you will.
0: I I I don't think that that uh, is it for me because I mean you can uh, do a diff- different thing on every song and miss every time. I mean that's possible, right? Um, but that's not what's happening. They are. You're right. They do have a lot of different influences, um, and they, they very much uh choose a different one for each song, but that's not what makes it good to me. I mean, what makes it good is that it sounds good every single time, and that's to me is just you know having a good ear for choosing your influences and then putting no, I them absolutely agree greater.
1: I absolutely agree it was more about the argument was more regarding. Limp Biscuit being repetitive rather than Bring Me the Horizon just taking different influences. Obviously, execution is key. Obviously, diversity on its own in a musical context doesn't make for a good record. That's not what I was trying to say. It's more like, I feel like with these new metal type bands, they are largely one-trick ponies. And you don't get that sense from the Bring Me the Horizon records, at least the last two ones. Um, Not, you know commenting on the execution here in any way shape or form because obviously it has to be done well so i just took that took that as you know for granted if you will
0: yeah no but that's um, i think that's maybe the the two points i arrived at is one they would just they just have the ability to choose influences that fit their metal or rock background because not mm-hmm. every single influence does and not every possible implementation of that influence does. But they they are just able to, they have a bunch of guys in that band that have just, <laughs> as stupid as it sounds, that have good taste in music and a, a, a very talented ear in putting those things together. I think that's number one for me. And number two, and that's maybe a, a bit of a bigger point, but going back to how it started, me not liking those uh, synth influences was just uh, my exposure to that early was very much to those, um, you know, those um, transcore kind of bands uh, mm. in the maybe late, maybe late two um, thousands, uh, yeah. late two thousands and early two thousand and tens, maybe. Uh, Like asking Alexandria and um, uh, what's Eskimo call boy and all those. Oh my God. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think that's what, that, that was what my first exposure to that mix was. And I, I don't think it's good. I just don't think it was pulled off well because it was very superficial. It was like, okay, this yeah. is our metal breakdown and now we're putting a synth lead on top of that. It just follows schematics. Was, it was not pulled off well. And also, I think that is a very important point um, because it, most of the times were early works of those bands, the overall sound quality, the production just... yeah wasn't as great because, I mean, you don't have that money uh, at the beginning of your careers. Most bands will sound significantly worse at, on their first or second album because they're just working with, with less, um, you know, resources. But that kind of meant that um, that they just ha- also didn't have the resources to really put it together, ju- just to to nail the production in a way that unites those influences. And I think that really very much leads to the feeling that those uh, influences don't belong together because they weren't produced in a way that made them fit and made them belong together. And so I think that just ruined this whole idea for me from the very start. Additionally to that, uh, as you mentioned, like the new metal kind of thing, also the industrial um thing like rammstein and and so on it's that's also a theme that in 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 industrial you know the synthesizers and so and this is just a a genre that i didn't enjoy um musically i just didn't Mm -hmm. like the music i don't like the songwriting of rammstein it's just not for me that's okay but that's just another factor that maybe reinforced that idea oh that has to be because of the synthesizers, but it probably wasn't. It was just I I didn't like their songs that happened to have synthesizers in there, but it just reinforced that idea to me, like, oh no, synthesizers and metal don't go together. And I mean, just to bring it all together, I'm really happy that I maybe found out that I don't. I really don't uh, have to think uh, that they don't go together because I found a couple of... um, Albums and songs that that I really really enjoy that that do that um, proficiently. Um, the main takeaway so,
1: from this episode is is it's really good to occasionally reevaluate your existing ideas and your existing taste in music because you never know what you might end up you know, liking or not. Um, I wouldn't have thought that if I would have sent you Amo, and I think I might have sent you one or two songs off of it. I don't of think so. At some point. I, I okay. really don't
0: think so. Okay, I, I,
1: could, be, I could be wrong, absolutely. Um, regardless, I wouldn't have thought that you liked it very much, because funnily enough, I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, and it's a good record, arguably. I just had more fun with the, with the recent EP. Um, oh, Absolutely. And yeah, I I just, I wouldn't have thought that you got such a kick out of that. So the fact that you got to kind of reevaluate uh, these preconceived ideas that you had about this type of music is really enjoyable to me because it's always satisfying when you can connect with someone whose opinion you appreciate yourself, um, on over something that you mutually end up liking. I think that's really cool if you come to a conclusion where you're like,
0: "Oh, actually you're right. This is fun." Yeah, yeah. Um and I I think that's a good point in general, not only as it relates to music, you know, just don't stick to your preconceived ideas forever. Just give yeah. give things second chances. But I I think that I that I'm not real I'm not a Narrow-minded person when it You're comes to a music. You're not a stickler. You're absolutely I don't, not. I don't think so. And I didn't so, mean to say that.
1: And I didn't no, no, mean no, to I, say that. No,
0: no, no. I didn't take it that way. The thing is that there's so much music out there. Uh, it's hard to, you know, you to give every everything a second chance, right? There's just there's only so many hours in the day. Exactly, and that's um, you. But still, I'm really happy that it, it worked out that way. I think I'm I'm really motivated to go back even deeper into their catalog now. Um, maybe listen to Sam Paternal again. Maybe even listen to some of their very early works again. Because I, think I think their second you- and
1: their third album are going to be up your alley because they're very straightforward death metal type things, but the production increases on both records. So yeah. seeing like seeing those elements that you enjoyed from the more recent record with these new eyes, there might be yeah. an
0: aha moment in there for you. Absolutely. That's what I was uh, about to say. I think once you found something in an artist that you enjoy, uh, you, you might be able to, or you, you will be able to find those aspects in the earlier works probably and and have a different angle on on those uh you know, those songs and albums that you never really got into before, because um, I think that's a, kind of what it is getting into something. It's not always, or it's most, most often, it's not either liking something or not liking something. It is oftentimes kind of a bit of an effort to get into something, right?
1: I um, absolutely
0: agree. I absolutely agree. It's almost like um, an acquired and- taste. Yeah, you need that angle sometimes that opens the door just a little bit for you to get into. And I just never had that with Bring Me the Horizon before, but now I might. And, you know, I think I'm going to spend a little time now and then uh, rediscover their their earlier works and let's see what happens. I think I'd be interested.
1: And I think this is also a good note to conclude on. Um, I think I would be interested in picking this up in a few months or a few weeks' time, when you maybe have had a chance to listen and dig through their their earlier releases a bit. Um, I might. I think it might be interesting to see whether you end up or ended up finding something that you like. Um, what I would also love, love to ch- suggest is um, maybe sort of um, a recommendation of a few things for people who are. Maybe neither familiar with Doom, Mick Gordon, or Bring Me the Horizon to listen yeah. to, if anything that we said um, spark your curiosity. So from my point of view, the one thing I would definitely recommend you to watch on YouTube, it's a light watch, um, the first bit. Um, there's a making-off of the Doom soundtrack provided by Mick Gordon on his YouTube channel. I think it's like a four-piece series of about eight to 12 minutes per video. Um, really accessible, super well-produced, him outlining his um, his approach to the whole thing. Very, very interesting, very cool. Also, for somebody who's not super interested in music production, he's just an interesting guy <laughs> to listen to. Um, second thing I would recommend, I think I speak for the both of us here, um, to watch in order to get a bit more in-depth with Mick Gordon, there is a talk that he gives at the Game Developers Conference <laughs> short just GDC. Don't
0: don't tell people about this because they will notice that we just we reiter- re- regurgitated everything that was said there. Which is which is the point of this podcast.
1: Us having opinions about shit. Um <laughs> oh, yeah. I highly I think I th- I think it's a highly
0: recommended watch because it's Oh um, absolutely it's, it's if you if you're into if you're into music production in any shape or form, it is very interesting his approach to the whole thing. It's really uh, his creative. To, I think if you're into exactly being creative His, thing. his approach to, to um production, music production, but also his approach to creativity. It's very, yeah. it's a very it's a very short 45 minutes um if you're into that sort of things thing. Um, but um picking up on what you try were trying to do, there are there any songs in particular um off, of that ep, off, of ammo, of from another artist that you wanted to recommend to people, uh, you know, related to, to everything we just talked about. Absolutely. Um, I was going to go
1: and just recommend, um, listening to bring me the horizon. Um, maybe not specifically, um, specifically any type of song, but just listening through maybe a song or two each of each of their records. I mean, their discography is quite long at this point. I think they mm, started right now, releasing yeah. music um as early as like 2004. Um, so listen listen into some of the earlier records you get a feeling for what we were trying to describe with their more hardcore roots. Um the the thing or like the records that really tipped the scale for me where I got really into them was their 2013 release Sempaternal, which is a record that I Listen to very religiously, as well as the following record, which is "That's the Spirit" from 2015. Um, the following two records, which was "Ammo" in 2019 and um, "Posthuman Survival Horror," the EP that we discussed here in depth or attempted to discuss in depth um, from this year. Um, I just recommend giving both a listen if you enjoyed any of what you previously heard from the previous records and if you enjoy any type of electronic music. They are really interesting um, almost type type of chronicle of what the band grew into. Very, very interesting, very diverse. Um, I can just follow you um, with all your, your explanations that you made before. Um, I also would encourage looking up Mick Gordon and just listening to a few snippets of the Doom soundtrack. He is on Spotify. You can find him there. Listen to or maybe even watch some gameplay footage with a song called Rip and Tear. I think that gives you about a really good idea what the soundtrack is about. Um, In terms of other bands that might be interesting to listen to um, when it comes to this blending of synth and and heavier music, I would recommend listening to a band called Northlane, which does a very tasteful blend of these elements, in my opinion. Architects, their last two records have been utilizing since as well a lot. Um, so these would be my initial recommendations. Obviously, need to address the elephant in the room. Um, Bring Me the Horizon had has a baby metal feature on their um, their most recent release. Baby Metal, of course, being the best band in the world. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend looking into Baby Metal if you want to have a good time. Um, just, just, just for the lols. It's really fun. If you have bad opinions about baby metal, you don't have a sense of humor. Um, and you take yourself way too seriously. That is my opinion on the subject. Um, those would be recommendations. Um, in terms of specific songs, listen to the first track of, um, Post Human and just let me know if that gets you moving. Because if it doesn't,
0: I feel very alienated. <laughs> yeah just to i mean you to be a little more specific i guess i would i would reiterate the recommendation listen to "The diary the first song of Post-Human. yes human i think that's uh, a good I, starting point that's a good starting point i think um listen to obey i think that's another song maybe the song i, I enjoyed the second most and i think that is um the where the influence from Gordon is the most obvious, because they the main synthesizer riff is, v- um, it's very apparent the the treatment that that they're uh, giving it, and it's very reminiscent of the Doom soundtrack. It, for the the main riff, in other songs, it's sometimes more in transitions and in the background. In Obey, it is one of the main elements of the song um so I think these are the two songs I would recommend from that um from Amo I really enjoy the first one I do enjoy I apologize if you feel something just that is, because that I, gives
1: me goosebumps every time it is every such
0: time. a gorgeous soundscape it's incredible it just doesn't I get re- better I listen to that on repeat it's I mean, it has nothing to do with metal in the sliders, but just that's what I was trying to to say earlier. Incredibly tasteful. Just the choice of instruments and the choice of of atmosphere is impeccable on this song. Um, Beautiful. Just straight up beautiful. beautiful. Exactly. Um, If you're going for a more, you know, more the hardest song uh, hardest sound on that album I'd recommend wonderful life I think that's a very nice blend of the thing of the I things would throw if, mantra if, in there as well Which one Mantra Yeah exactly I actually I heard that one on the radio mm-hmm. um before I listened to this album and I I was like oh yeah this is definitely bring me the horizon because I've I listened to uh to post human Before that, uh, um, Mm. recently, and I just recognized their sound, which I found amazing. Um, You know, not having cared for them at all before that. And if I wanted, if I had to recommend specific songs from um, from the Doom soundtrack, I mean, you you said Rip and Tear, obviously. I think that is kind of. I think it was the single from the uh OST, uh, OST um, I think so yes release. Um another BFG song, division is also, BFG a classic. Division also um those two songs are and Rip and Tear even more so than BFG division is very much centered around the guitar. I think Rip and Tear is just almost exclusively guitar sounds. I think the synth elements are very dialed back on that one if you're going for more of the, um, the synthesizer sounds um vega core is i think it's just uh, it's pretty much the opposite of rip and tear because it's mostly um those the synth sounds no it's not it's not ambient no oh then i get uh, confused no vega core is eight minutes long and it's mostly this uh doom instrument as as we called it before gotcha and another song that I just enjoyed as a song uh was Hellwalker. I think that is yeah. a, that was a really nice mix of um of those two um two worlds and it I think it really comes it, it comes together the m- best on that one I think. I just that's just a one that I enjoy just as a song so to speak. Um yeah. That's I feel it would be a good idea
1: to um to include these things we mentioned we're, go- we're also going to include these um, recommendations in our written description so feel free to click in there we're gonna include the links to the talks that we mentioned um, as well as the song titles that we would say are recommended um, to listen to if you want to take this further and not just take our word for it yeah that's so um
0: that's that for for doom and for post human now I think. We wanted to spend the rest of this episode doing something different, a little having a little fun. Um, and we thought of a little a couple segments that we'd, we'd like to do. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, we, we both I think um, if you haven't noticed it by now, uh, we can be somewhat opinionated. Both of us, I think, <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, I think that's something that we appreciate about one another. Um, and I think I, I I personally can only say that I that I appreciate uh, being able to disagree with you. And yes, it's, and it's it is easy to disagree with you. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But it's also, <laughs> ouch, you know ouch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's but but it is not easy to disagree with people in general. It's very easy to get into fights with people when you disagree with them, and I think yes. that's always something that we that I really appreciate uh, appreciated about our friendship is that we disagree on a lot of things. As many yes. things as we have in common, we do disagree quite a lot on, on a lot of other things. But yes. um, we're, I think we're, I, there's nobody else with, uh, who I can disagree with that hard without having the, fe- the feeling that there were some kind of hard feelings in between us. There's so no in, animosity and no desire to punch each other in the face. No, let's put it this no, way. It's it's just, we, we're really not. good at having really friendly, intense arguments. Exactly. Um, and I think in the light of that, in, in the spirit of that, we wanted to have a segment where we can just, if there's anything on our heart, you know, it's a little pressure that's building up, a little topic that's been annoying you for the, couple, the last couple of days, where you just can, you know, let it rip. Just sit down, have a, a pair of ears on the other side that has to listen to it. Maybe can disagree with it if he feels like this is not a judgment-free zone you can say whatever you want but you are going to be judged by it by the other person so Um, again do you have anything that you want to let rip or should I start uh, you can you can I think you can take it away and I'll be more than happy to be the the receiving party on this end so let's uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and start here um, and it's something that uh, I realized uh, just again lately. Um, you know, having acquaintances, people around you that have little babies, or they are pregnant, pregnant, that just reminded me of of you know that that feeling, that boiling in my stomach. And I'm I need to be clear here. This is pure and utter ignorance speaking just <laughs> not having children of my own or not really being interested in having any at the moment so that's you need to understand this but to me <laughs> i think i think it is really really ridiculous when people look at small babies like 2 weeks 3 weeks old couple of months old maybe and they're like oh yeah this baby looks like so-and-so no it doesn't no it, it does not it looks like a baby they all look the fucking same bald head chubby arms and legs head way too big for the rest of their body uh you know they all look the same uh stop pretending that this baby looks like their dad looks like their mom looks like their great great grand a great aunt. It doesn't. It looks like a baby. Stop saying it looks like so and so. It's you fucking projecting. And now I get where this is coming from, right? You know, you need to express how much you feel related to that baby, the the bond. That or how you're much feeling. you want to feel related to that baby. I Absolutely, think. <laughs> I do get. I I can imagine the feelings that you get when you you see your uh, a grandchild for the first time or whatever. But stop pretending that. Babies look like anything other than little babies. And here's the other part kind of related to that. Even worse than saying this one looks like your mom, your dad. is It looks like your mom or your dad when they were babies. Of course it fucking does because it's a baby. (laughs) What's the point? I mean, (laughs) I don't know. It's just... You know, wait, wait a couple, wait a year or two. Once it gets here, once it, you know, has discernible facial features, then you can say, "All right, this one has," you know, it looks like your mom. I, can, I can, I get that, but not at a couple weeks old. They don't. They look like babies. You don't have to pretend that your baby looks like somebody just to be able to love it. Love it because it's your baby or because it's your grandchild or because it's your niece, your nephew. That's an, that should be enough of a reason to love that child.
1: Okay, so I want to I wanna actually join into this. I want to I wanna join into and let one rip as well. So here's my take on the whole thing. Not only do I fully agree with you that babies have no distinctive features up until maybe they go a year old or older. I also cannot stand it when people go, oh, that is a beautiful baby. <laughs> All babies look like fucking wrinkly clay dough and are ugly as shit. Every single baby I've ever seen in my life, in whatever shape or form, whether in a stroller, on somebody's arm, in a movie... Every baby is ugly. I hate I, you if you're saying if you're saying your baby is the most beautiful baby. It's just
0: a fucking baby. It looks I, like a lump of meat with wrinkles. I really do think that um, that is nature testing you. I think you will find babies ugly until you are ready to have one of your own. Once, you, quite possible. I think once you walk around, look into other people's strollers, and like. Oh, he's so cute. That's when you know that you want to have a child. I think that's just nature protecting people that don't want to have a child by just making babies ugly to them. And I agree with that. Maybe maybe it's also
1: nature's way of, maybe it's nature's way of also you not stealing other people's babies. Because you're like, oh, that's a really cute baby. I want that for myself. Like, I just don't want to have one. I just want to take this one. (laughs) I also want to take it one step. I also want to, um, take it one step further. Not only do I think babies are not beautiful, I think they're also really, really useless. And I would love if there was a button that I could press. Like, you know how like in Netflix, when you've watched an episode of a series for, for the first time and then it goes to the second series and it has a skip button in the bottom right when you can click away the intro because they assume that you've seen it by now. I want that, but for babies, so I can skip like the first three years where they're drooling and shitting and can't can't walk and you can't really do anything with them. People are like, "Oh, it's so magical! You're taking care of your baby." I just want to skip it. I just want to skip to the part where it can like, like tell me its needs. And it's like, I'm hungry. I want to shit. I want to go to the park and sit on a swing. Can we play fetch? Can we? No, that's a dog. Uh, can we play catch? <laughs> Technically, that's also a dog. Who cares? You get what I'm saying. I want a skip button. I want an yeah. integrated, built-in skip button for me to boost the growth, the rate of growth for like the first three years in a
0: week's time so I can okay, catch up on some silly and make them less less useless. Here's, here's the question. Do you want to push the skip button on other people's children? or um... No, just mine. So you mean I, want I want the par- ability to push it on mine. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. I, I mean, there, there's adoption. I want
1: that decision to be up to the parent. I mean, like, if you want to suffer, if you want to suffer and be a masochist about it, then just have as many newborns and suffer through the same shit over and over and over. I, I just want the, the possibility for myself. I want, I want my baby to be like Netflix. Okay, I want it yeah, to give I, me I, the yeah. option But, but you said, to um, skip the introduction.
0: Uh, Netflix give you, gives you that um, possibility after the first episode. So, do you only get that episode uh, for your second child? I
1: think I think that would be I think that would be wise. Yeah, yes, yeah I because think. I
0: technically need to know what I need to yeah, know what exa- I'm doing exactly.
1: So if if after the first one I'm like, nah, that's it. Yeah. Then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have a second one where I need that button. But if I feel competent enough, then I want the ability to yeah, to skip, that, 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 skip that, that the fucking trailer sense. essentially.
0: Yeah. That's that's entirely reasonable, I think.
1: <laughs> okay let's conclude our first segment of let it rip
0: <laughs> this is uh, concludes our segment of alienating new parents <laughs> <laughs> just just decent human
1: beings this is just us alienating decent human beings yeah from that's probably
0: probably it but you know this is what the segment is for, you know, just let it rip.
1: For all of you guys with neckbeards still listening, we're here for you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Not. <laughs> okay. So and last uh, last segment for today is I mean, if you haven't picked up on it, I think uh I think you mentioned it earlier. I did. Um we are German both. Both of us. Yes, we are very German both. Oh, yeah. Um so we want to have a, um, and you know Germans. There's some stereotypes, you know, about Germans. Um, there are some characters, yeah. There's some. There's a lot of. There's a lot of uh, things out there. How we are, and how a proper German is a, uh, you know, has to behave, whatever. Um, how people perceive us. How people perceive us. How funny we are or not. Um, but there's also the same thing kind of inside of Germany there's um you know there you can be so German that other Germans will look at you and it's like, "Oh fuck, this is one fucking German right there. That's a proper German, and if you're that kind of dude, some people might call you an Alman. this is like you are a real German now, and so we want to have you're so German that other Germans are ashamed of you yeah that's that's one way to put it I guess <laughs> so um to honor our Germanness, we want to every now and then give out an award for people that you know showed exceptional Germanness, and it's Almann of the week or of the month, depending on how often we get around to doing it. Yeah, again, somebody that, that, that just showed except, exceptional Germanness. ness And um, the idea for that um, segment actually was given to me by some dude. <laughs> and this dude is the first recipient, recipient of that award. Uh, I don't know your name, my guy, but the first German of the week goes out to that dude at my workplace, that I saw um, a couple of times now. Um, Recently, in the morning, in the parking lot, getting out of his car and taking out his, uh, his mobile phone, smartphone, and taking a picture of his car and the cars surrounding his car, which I can only assume is in order to you know, uh, when you come back after, after you, you were finished with work and you notice that somebody damaged your car, that you have that, that photo from that day and can look at the number plate of the car parked next to you. So it's kind of an insurance against getting your car damaged. I guess, I think that's, that has to be what it is. It has to be. And I think that is so fucking German it's incredible. I mean, this is—I I don't know. This, this the this, amount of preparation I thought, I thought it, for it, for it,
1: something it, to go wrong in your life is 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 exemplary for for being German. That that kind of distrust to your neighbor and the amount of uh, the amount of precaution that you get to prove that you did nothing wrong and that the opposing party wasn't the wrong and that you're in the right within your rights. That's very, very German. I feel like that's a worthy recipient. I think just being
0: being a narrow-minded stickler. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is... Very Alman. And, very, very Alman of the week. And to make it even worse, this dude gets out of his car. And I didn't see him once. I th- saw him like three or four times in a span of two weeks or something. So he does that every day. Um, I, he got up out of his car wearing his bicycle helmet because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know you, you're in the parking lot um, and then there's the bicycle parking lot right next to it. And then you go, get out of your car to your bike and you, you take your bike insi- uh, you know, inside the plant because you're not allowed to take your car inside. And then you get to your actual working place. So, I mean, I have my bicycle helmet with me as well. But I leave my, no, I don't have it with me. I leave it at my bicycle. So I leave my car, go to my bicycle. You don't wear it in your car is the point that you're making. And I also don't wear it, you know, three minutes away from my car. I wear it uh, from my bike. I wear it when I get to my bike. Now, maybe not everybody has the ability to put his helmet in the little, you know the little uh, trunk in the back of your um, bicycle and lock it away. I get it. I get it. Maybe you want to take. You have to take your helmet with you in your car, but you know, carry that fucking thing until you're at your bicycle. Because to me, um, don't get me wrong. This is you not about like a wearing, This is not about wearing a helmet. I'm never ever going to make fun of somebody for being safe. I'm not. People. I are, don't think that's how it came across as well. I just want. I, I just want to make very sure clear. that people get it because people <laughs> are out there trying not to split their head open, open on the uh, the pavement, and I'm not going to make fun of them for that. I love it. Keep Nobody doing would. It. Nobody would. But no, oh, there are people that would do that. Especially, uh, you know, teenagers say it's not cool to wear a helmet. That's not what this is about. This is about wearing a helmet if you're not in the vicinity of your bike. Because to me, I can't help, but if you are um, a grown-ass adult wearing a a bicycle helmet when you get out of your car, or if you're inside a shop in a supermarket picking up some groceries, if you're a grown-ass adult... Wearing a helmet inside in a shop or something, there's some place in the back of my mind, in the back of my brain, that will immediately assume that you're kind of mentally challenged. I'm sorry, that's just what it is.
1: Yes, I fully agree with you.
0: So, this is this, I, I thought that that just added to the, the stickler image that, I, that this person just projected. And I think that that was just the the cherry on top of the, the Schwarzwälder Kirschtorte. perfectly perfect way to wrap it up. Um, so I think this is going to be a long one, even after trimming the fat on this one. Uh, let's see how yes. it turns out. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, we know we this isn't probably isn't the first podcast that you've ever listened to. So you know that in the end you would kind of have to. I got it. We didn't write this down, but what do people always say in the end of at the end of podcast? You know, leave a review. I think something along the lines of subscribe. Subscribe. Because
1: if you have listened to this on any type of type of platform, just yeah. subscribe to it. Um
0: we're gonna be pushing an episode a week. Um if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. Leave us five stars because I think Apple Podcast kind of pushes your podcast more than any other uh, platform. And I think that's the feeling I always get. Um, mm-hmm. If you, for some reason, um, listen to this podcast and do not know us personally, first of all, thank you. Second of all, how how did that happen? And third of all, um, (laughs) let us know. Let us know, exactly. Either the writer review, good, bad, indifferent, or hit us up at, I guess we're going to do a Twitter, first of all.
1: We're going to include all kinds of information, whether it is an email contact or any type of social media context in the respective description of whatever platform you
0: use it. Let us know what you thought, how you came across that podcast. Again, if, you, if we didn't tell you to listen to it because you're our girlfriends or close friends or whatever. Um, I think that's it for, for today. Um, looking, forward, looking forward to talking to you all next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.